Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. In 2023, and you want to be used of God in 2023. I'm going to use a spiritual similitude tonight. Uh, we're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 9, and I'm going to, we're going to read four verses of scripture. Now, I want you to understand also tonight, I want to speak for you to you for a moment about the DNA of the anointing. I want you to understand that there is a very powerful, powerful concept in the word of God that it is possible to inherit spiritual DNA. Hello, somebody. I didn't say biological DNA. I said spiritual DNA. Spiritual DNA happens when you are a spiritual descendant mentored under an individual and that anointing transfers from the individual that you have been training under unto you. And we see this very clearly going with me to second Kings chapter two, as a preface to second Kings chapter nine, we're going to look at this contextually. And when I say contextually, what we're doing is that we're looking at scripture, not only contextually in terms of the verses, but contextually in terms of the chapters, uh, some chat, the chapters that precede the chapter you're reading will show you the author's intent. How many of you would like to know when you're reading scripture a little bit more than the history? You want to know the personal, powerful, prophetic meaning. How many of you want to apply it to your life? How many of you want to know what the author intended when we read it? And one of the ways we discover the author's intent is by using the context. So we're going to second Kings chapter two, and we're looking at verse nine. Now, I want you to understand in verse 9, Elijah already had received the revelation and known he was going to be taken up to heaven. The sons of the prophets who were disciples of Elijah and his personal attendant, who was Elisha, also received the knowledge by the Spirit of God that Elisha, Elijah was going to be taken up in a whirlwind. The sons of the prophets who were in every place. If you notice second Kings chapter two, that Elijah, the prophet is on his final mission. How do we know he's on a mission? Because the Bible says the Lord has sent me. All right. I want you to see this very, very clearly going back up into the context and looking at second Kings chapter two, verse one, just so you understand. The Bible says in verse one, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal and Elijah said to Elisha, Terry here, I pray thee for what the Lord has sent me to Bethel. All right. So to be sent means you're going on a mission. 
How many of you understand shalak? Say it with me, shalak. Okay, shalak is the word in Hebrew that means to go or to be sent. When someone, uh, when, for example, if we took the book of uh, Acts, the, the book of Acts, and we translated the book of Acts and into Hebrew, it would literally say ma'aser, uh, ma'aser, shalakim, which means the sent ones, the sent ones. Say it with me, the sent ones. How many of you want to be sent this year in 2023 to do something for God? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Elijah, before he's taken up to heaven, is very well aware he's on an assignment. But you don't really understand what that assignment is because he said, the Lord has sent me. Let me tell you a little secret about being sent. How many of you want to know biblical secrets? All right. There is a particular portion in the scripture in numbers, which we will not look at, which the actual Torah portion is called uh, Parsha Shalak. It's a section in the book of Numbers from chapter 13 to 15, which is called Parsha Shalak. It means to be sent. And in verse 17, the Bible says, actually in verse uh, chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, send spies into the land. But the way it is written in Hebrew is not just to send spies. It's, it translates Send for yourself spies. Now to us, we'd say, what in the world does that mean? Who cares whether it's send or send for yourself? Does it really make a difference? And the answer to that is yes, it does make a difference. Because to send for yourself is not the same thing as send. When you're just saying, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you around the block. Or I'm going to send you to Egypt. But when the text says send for yourself, that means when you're being sent, you're really benefiting yourself. You think you're giving something up for God. You think that by going and sacrificing or doing no matter what it is that you do. So whether you're singing or whether you're praising or whether you're working or whether you're laboring in some field, the, the concept is. Send for yourself. So somebody ought to say, do yourself a favor and fulfill the will of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Send for yourself. Now here we see Elijah says, uh, he says, uh, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And we see this repeated throughout the text. He has sent me to Bethel. He has sent me first. He was in Gilgal. Then he has been sent to Bethel. Then he has sent to Jericho. Then he says, the Lord has sent me to Jordan. All of these places where Elijah is sent before he goes on the, uh, up in the heavens, he is going to come in contact with sons of the prophets. The sons of the prophets don't have any name. But there is a clashing contrast in the text 
We would think 2 Kings because it tells us about the chariots of fire and the horses of fire that came for Elijah. We would think that the central theme of 2 Kings chapter 2 is Elijah going up into heaven, but it is not. The central theme of chapter 2 is not Elijah going into heaven, but it is Elisha, the servant of Elijah. And there is a clashing contrast between the sons of the prophets and Elisha. Why is there a clashing contrast? Because the Bible is showing us two kinds of servants. Hello, somebody. I said two categories of servants. Why don't you choose for yourself what kind of category of the servant you would like to be for God? Hello, somebody. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Let us look and see. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, and uh, and go back up to verse 2. And Elijah, Elisha said to Elijah, hallelujah, verse, uh, verse uh, 3. The Bible says, and the sons of the prophets that, that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said to him, do you not know that the Lord will take away your master from your head today? And he said, I know it. Hold your peace. But I want you to see that when Elijah told Elisha to tarry, do you know the answer that Elisha said to him? The answer that Elisha said to him was, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. Notice the end of verse 2. Elisha said to him, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two went down to Bethel. So there was obviously some revelation in Elisha that the spirit of God had given him that Elijah was going to be taken away and that in that moment he was not going to leave him even if it was permissible. You see, there are some servants that what is permissible, they just go ahead and do. But then there are other servants who are totally led by the spirit. Servants that know, yes, it is permissible, but I'm making a choice. My choice is to be faithful unto death. My choice is to go out of my way and follow the instinct of the spirit of God so that I will not leave the man of God or miss my assignment till it's finished. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. And the Bible says the two went on. Now watch this. I call verse three prodigy prophets. What are prodigy prophets? Prodigy prophets are those who have been trained by the best. They have a lot of training. Hello, somebody. That seems like they have a lot of gifts, but what is gifted has to be sifted by the power of God. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. That means flesh has to be purged out. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Watch with the way these prodigy prophets who already have the revelation by the spirit of God. They know Elijah, Elijah is going to be taken away. I'm going somewhere with this more than telling you a story because I'm going to give you a punchline in a moment. All right. Are you with me? But you're not going to get the punchline till you hear the word first. Hello, somebody. Now, I want you to see the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth and said to him, don't you know that your master is going to be taken away from your head today? 
And Elisha responded, I know it. Hold your peace. Now I want you to understand why the sons of the prophets said this. The sons of the prophets didn't say this so that they're just kind of informing, saying, hey, Elisha, did you know that uh, the master is going to be taken away? Please stick near him. That is not why they did that. They did not go up to Elisha so that they could inform him so that he could be sure not to leave the side of Elisha. They informed Elisha because they wanted to show Elisha how anointed they were. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. amen. Prodigy prophets that were using the Holy Spirit for their own self. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. amen. Prodigy prophets who want to use the Holy Spirit and have been trained and are anointed, but are using now that anointment, that uh, anointing, are you with me? For self-exaltation, hallelujah, and exploitation. And so now we see, dear people of God, that he's going on. He says, I know it, hold your peace. Notice he doesn't get into it with him. Notice he doesn't say, well, I know this, you know that. Well, look what the Lord showed me. All right, he doesn't do that. All right, the two are going on together. Continuing in the context, we're seeing it repeated again. The same situation repeats itself again when they get to Jericho. You see, when the Bible is repeating a narrative once, twice, three times, that means repetition means something special. Say it with me, repetition. Means something special. Say this with me. The author's intent is revealed by the repetition. How many of you want to know what the author meant? How many of you want to know the prophetic agenda of a scripture? You get the prophetic agenda by watching the author's intent. Okay, so we're going to see it repeated again. They go to Jericho and the Bible says, and Elijah said to him, Elisha, Terry here, because uh, I pray thee because the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he says it again, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And they too went on to Jericho and the sons of the prophets. It's not the same group. I said, it's not the same group. I hope you're following me. Elisha is passing through every territory where he raised up prophets. And now he is passing through the territory before he's taken to heaven for those disciples, those sons of the prophets that he had trained. He's going to pass through. We don't know what he said to those prophets. The scripture isn't recording it. We don't know if he said anything to them, left a legacy with them. All we know is that the scripture wants us to see the dialogue between the prodigy prophets and Elisha. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. amen. The Bible says the sons of the prophets, hallelujah, came again to Elisha to Jericho and said, don't you know that the Lord is going to take away your master from your head today? They received this knowledge. This was from the spirit. And he said, I know it. Hold your peace. And so you see, dear people, that this goes on all the way till they get to the Jordan. I'm going somewhere with this. Verse nine, as they come down to the Jordan, Elijah and Elisha, Elijah asks Elijah and says, Notice what the Bible says, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken away from you. 
And Elisha says to Elisha, let I pray thee a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. First of all, the Bible is showing us one of the reasons why he wouldn't leave his side is that he wanted the anointing more than he wanted anything else. He wanted that anointing that was on Elijah. He could have asked for anything, but he asked for the anointing. And I want you to know when you are willing to go every place down whatever mile you have to walk to be able to get the anointing, God is going to bless you with it. And Elijah said, you've asked a hard thing. You know, the other day when I was thinking uh, in 1995, we had, we, had, we had raised money to go to Kenya, but unusual and un under unusual circumstances in Kenya. We had actually uh, got together to have a pastor's conference in Kenya, but it was a very different type of pastor's conference. Two pastor's conferences in Kenya. One sponsored by our ministry and one by Deliverance Church. That was a pastor's conference. Now, the one that we sponsored was in Nikuru. Nikuru is way out in the bush in Africa. And we had sponsored barefoot pastors to come from Tanzania. They walked on foot too. Um, we had uh, individuals from various villages that came to Nikuru. Papa and I, we had, there was a guest house. If you've ever been to Africa, you know the guest house houses in Africa. It was a color blue. It was kind of a turquoise blue, beautiful setting there. It was all one one story. I don't remember it being two stories, but I do remember just small, looked like kind of like a hotel. It was all flat out where we put all of our pastors. And it was a wonderful pastors conference. And then from there, we went back into Nairobi, into the Deliverance Church. And the reason Deliverance Church means so much to me is that in 1970, 1975, when I was at Melody Land School of Theology, there was a young man there with his wife that had just come in from Kenya. They had a little baby. Baby's name was Bridget. The wife's name was Nancy. And my friend's name was Amos, Amos Dixon. He was a deacon. And his pastor had just founded Deliverance Church in the 70s. And his pastor sent him to the United States. And Melody Land was supposed to take care of everything for them. But somehow... Communication was not correct. And so they're in an apartment, but they had no means by which they were going to be able to support themselves in America. So this is how I began a very close friendship with Amos and Nancy. And so uh, in around the year 1979, I took, I had already founded Breath of the Spirit. When I met them, I didn't have Breath of the Spirit. I founded Breath of the Spirit in 78. And I was going to preach in Kenya. And Deliverance Church was now starting to get off its feet. And they wanted to build a church. And so I said, well, uh, his pastor wanted me to go preach there. And I said, well, I want to bring a seed. 
And I said, I'll bring a $500 seed. In those days, $500 was like $50,000. It was very impossible. And I just said, I'm going, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to give it to Pastor William. Now he's Bishop William and he's retired because now Deliverance Church is the largest denomination, Pentecostal denomination in Kenya. But anyway, I said, um, I'll just believe God. So on the day I was leaving for Kenya, I still didn't have my 500, but I had preaching engagements in Mississippi, Greenville, Mississippi. And I went and preached a revival in Greenville, Mississippi. And after the service, a young man came up and said, God told me to give you $1,700. And I said, praise God. Hallelujah. So I had more than enough for my mission. And I was able to put into the hand of Pastor William Tua Missing his $500 for Deliverance Church as the seed. Years later, in the 90s, now Amos was already deceased. He was a young man, but he died early. And I was going over there to preach in the church of Deliverance Church. Deliverance Church had exploded by the time of the 90s. And it sent evangelists planting churches everywhere, planting churches in Tanzania, planting churches all over Kenya, and they're on fire for God. And at the pastor's conference, young men and men of God were coming up to be anointed. And I remember they said, I want the anointing, ma'am. I want the anointing. I want the anointing. Every single one of them in their precious Kenyan accent. And the only thing that came out of my mouth was, you've asked a hard thing. You see, that's exactly what Elijah said to Elisha. And he said, give a double portion of your spirit to me. And he said, you asked a hard thing. Beloved saints, the anointing does not come cheap because it's going to take everything that you've got. It means total obedience and surrender to God. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. He said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken up, it'll be done to you. But if you don't see me when I'm taken up, it's not going to be done to you. And so the Bible tells us as they were walking, behold, the Bible says as they went on, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. And it parted them under asunder. Hallelujah. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now I want you to know if we go down to verse 13 and the Bible says he took up also the mantle that fell from Elijah. Elijah dropped that mantle down as he was being taken up. Are you with me saints? He took up the mantle and the Bible says he stood by the river and he parted the waters and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? But I want you to understand, looking at verse 15, the sons of the prophets that viewed afar off, because you got to understand Jericho is very close to the Jordan. It's walking distance. So you're on the other side of the Jordan is Jericho in certain parts where the Jordan is. So those sons of the prophets that said, don't you know that your master is going to be taken from your head today? We're watching the whole thing. 
But guess what? They didn't see Elijah taken up by the fire. They didn't see that. They only knew that all of a sudden there is Elijah. Now he's gone and Elijah is by himself. Are you with me, saints? Do you understand? Notice what happens. The Bible says, they said, the spirit of Elijah does rest upon Elisha. Somebody ought to say spiritual DNA. Say it with me. It is possible to inherit spiritual DNA to do a work for God. Can I get a witness somewhere? Somebody ought to say, I want the spiritual DNA and legacy of those that have gone on before me, spiritual mothers and fathers that can impart to us and leave for us the anointing so that we can go to the next level. Now, I want you to see, saints. Now, the sons of the prophets, they come and they bow themselves to Elisha. Now they say, wow, the spirit of Elijah does rest upon Elisha. And verse 16 says, and they bowed themselves, verse 15, and they're going to ask. Now, Elisha, they're going to say, please send 50 of your servants. Strong men, let them go, we pray, and seek your master. Lest peradventure the Spirit of God has taken him somewhere. Let me explain what's going on. It's too hard to understand. They didn't see Elijah being taken up. So now they're assuming, they're assuming that the Spirit of the Lord has caught him up and carried him away to a mountain. Why are they assuming that? Because that used to happen a lot to Elijah. When he was walking, you, you, if you read the scripture, you see the spirit of the Lord carried him away. When he was in danger, the spirit of the Lord would come and carry him away. So they assumed that this is what happened because they didn't see what happened. What do we learn from this? What do we learn from this? You know what we learn from this? That as soon as Elijah was taken, their prophecy left. I said, I want you to hear this. I said, as soon as Elijah was taken, their prophecy left. I hope somebody heard what I said. So that means the whole time they were prophesying while he was alive, they were prophesying under his mantle, but they didn't get the anointing for themselves. The reason I know that is I've seen it happen. I've seen people that were so anointed when Catherine Coleman was alive that worked in her meetings. And then when she left, everything left with her, except those that were willing to pay the price. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. So the prodigy prophets now are trying to prophesy and say, perhaps the Lord took him and put him somewhere. And Elijah, Elisha says, you're not going to go look for them. But he didn't tell them what happened. He said, you're not looking. But you know what? They insisted on looking. 
and they looked for days and they couldn't find him. Hello, somebody. I said they looked for days and they couldn't find him because the Nebuah, the prophecy, already left them. Put your hands up right now and say, Holy Spirit, I don't want to lose what you've given me. And Holy Spirit, hallelujah, I want the oil for myself. I want to buy my own oil. I don't want to borrow oil from anybody. I'm willing to pay the price for my own oil. I hope somebody's hearing this today. Are you hearing this? Okay. So the prodigy prophets lost their prophecy. But now in 2 Kings chapter 2, I want to show you something. 2 Kings chapter 2, excuse me, 2 Kings chapter 9 verses 1 to 4. 2 Kings chapter 9 verses 1 to 4. You are going to see, the Bible says, Elisha came to pass, 2 Kings, 2 Kings, that's 1 Kings, 2 Kings, chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. Let us look at it. The Bible says in 2 Kings, chapter 9, and Elisha the prophet said to, uh, sent, the Bible says, uh, called one of the children of the prophets, and said, gird up your loins and take this box of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. And verse two, very important. And when you come there, look out Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi. And when you go in, make him rise up among his brethren and carry him into an inner chamber. Then take the box of oil, pour it on his head and say, thus saith the Lord God, I have anointed you king over Israel. And then open the door and flee, tarry not, because he's going to be risking his life. Next verse. So the young man, even the young man, the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. Now, beloved saints, I want to tell you, it's very rare that the Bible withholds a name from a prophet. It is not usual activity. When there is an individual that is called a prophet by God and they are sent on a mission individually, the norm is in the scripture that the name of the prophet will be given. In this case, scripture deliberately withholds the name. And scripture so withholds the name that in verse four, the scripture wants you to know that his name is withheld. So it says the young man, even the young man, the prophet. So all we know is he's a nameless prophet. The first thing the Lord is showing us about when we're sent, because this prophet is sent, is that no name means we do not represent ourselves when we go. Hello, somebody. I said we don't present ourselves when we go. Somebody ought to tell your neighbor when you're being sent on a mission, you don't represent yourself. You don't present yourself. You don't present how you anointed you are. You don't present your agenda. You don't present, oh, wow, do you, I want, I thank God I'm going on this mission. Woo, I'm going on this mission and I'm going to get to show these people how anointed I really am. Hallelujah. When you are sent on a mission, 
It's nullify yourself. It's die to yourself. It means nobody being seen but Jesus. It means as John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. Are you with me saints? How many of you want to be sent on a mission and become effective for God? Secondly, the Bible is telling us he's a young man, even the young man, the prophet. Why is the Bible accentuating his youth? Two reasons. Number one, the Bible is showing us that the Holy Spirit would rather have a young yielded vessel than an older vessel that thinks that he knows everything and cannot yield to the power of God. I hope somebody's hearing this. Somebody ought to say, don't judge somebody by their youth. Do not judge somebody because they're young. Hello, somebody. There is an outpouring of the spirit that is coming on the young people of this generation. And somebody ought to shout the victory. See, the Holy Spirit isn't looking for who you've been associated with. The Holy Spirit really, does that really, really move the Holy Spirit because you were with so-and-so? Does it really move the Holy Spirit that you spent all those years doing this or that? What the Holy Spirit really wants is somebody that's so humble that it's as if they know nothing when they're sent. So that they're yielded to him. So that whatever he says, if he says go right, you go right. If he says go left, you go left. That you are not depending on yourself, on your gifts, who you know, who you've been with, what you uh, accomplished. You know, a lot of folk go with spiritual badges that they polish up. You never see somebody that got these badges and they just polish them up. And they want to show everybody my badges. The Holy Spirit wants somebody that doesn't wear any badges. The Holy Spirit wants somebody that's so surrendered that when they go, it's as if they know nothing. Let me give you an example. In the last generation, now I'm not talking 20 years ago. I'm talking 40, 50 years ago. 1976, how many years ago was that? 47, almost 50. That's when Catherine Kuhlman went home to be with the Lord. She went home February 20th, 1976. And she used to tell this story. Now, those of you in this generation, you can hear about Catherine Coleman. But there's no way to describe it unless you were there. Because there's never been anything like it since. And our frame of reference right now is just what we know in this generation. But in that generation, the whole Shrine Auditorium would be packed. You couldn't hear a pin drop. 
and it would be with a lot of folks who never went to church. There was no manifestations of Pentecostalism yet because the mainline churches were just becoming acquainted with the Holy Spirit. I hope you understand what I'm saying. And she used to say, you know, in those auditoriums, let me just tell you some of the miracles that would take place. For example, when I was young, I went there. And I'll never forget, I don't remember the month, but I remember when I got there, I had to go way up in the third balcony. And I could barely see Miss Coleman. She looked like a little dot on the stage. Somebody said, you want these binoculars? And they showed me, and it was awesome. But I remember sitting in the row. It was a little bit dark. The lights were lowered. Miss Kuhlman said, somebody in the balcony is being healed of blindness. And all of a sudden, at one end of the row, I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me. I saw a lightning rod. And it went down the row like this. <clears throat> and it stopped at a little boy. And he rose up with nobody touching him. And his eyes were totally healed. There were creative miracles, people with limbs missing. There grew their limbs in a Catherine Kuhlman service with nobody laying hands on them. Miss Kuhlman said she had certain places she ministered to. One was called Carnegie Auditorium, North Side in Pittsburgh. And she said when she would step into Carnegie Auditorium, North Side, she said as she was approaching the stage, there was a little black doorknob. And she said she knew when she opened that door on the other side, there would be somebody's mother out there. That if she was not yielded to the Holy Spirit, what would happen to that mother? She used to say somebody's father is out there who's come hundreds of miles. Somebody's child is out there. She said when she grabbed the black doorknob, she died a thousand deaths. She said she would grip the doorknob so tight and pause there that she felt at times she was going to break all of her fingers because she knew that if she crossed over that door and gave them Catherine Kuhlman, they would receive nothing. Are you seeing this? Are you hearing this? 
to know as if you know nothing. How can it be? Miss Coleman said she had to every time depend completely on the Holy Spirit as if it were the first time ministering. Do you understand? I'm sharing this with you because I believe many of you are going to minister. Many of you are going to minister in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You are being trained right now to move into the supernatural. Do you understand how God's going to use you? Do you understand that there is a call of God on your life? I hope somebody understands what the Spirit of God is saying. Hallelujah. Though the scenario may be different, the, the scenario might be different, but the anointing is not different. God wants to anoint you powerfully just as he did this young prophet. Are you hearing this? So we have the young man, total dependence on the Holy Spirit. We have a nameless prophet. We don't present ourselves. And then we are going to see a third powerful principle to be sent on a mission to be used of God is number one. Notice he's taking a box of oil in his hand. You see that? He said, take this box of oil in his hand. Every time you are sent, you take the anointing with you. Every time you go on a mission, do you realize what the Lord told to Samuel? The Lord said to Samuel, fill your horn with oil and go to Jesse. That means that every time you're sent on a mission, whether you realize it or not, you are taking the anointing with you because to say yes automatically causes you to be filled up with the power of God. Put your hands up right now and say, I'm saying yes to the Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm saying yes, Lord. Send me. Yes. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Uh, the last thing I want you to see is the reason this young man, I want you to, I want you to understand. We just took this out of context, didn't we? We just took it out of context. I just said, go to Second Kings. What, does, what connection does that possibly have with Elijah and Elisha? Elisha's sending him. But this is a huge mission. Do you know why? Because in 1 Kings chapter 19, God gives Elijah his new mission and says, in verse 15, when you go, you go your way, he says you're going to go to Damascus, by the way of Damascus. When you come there, you're going to anoint Hazel, king of Syria. Hallelujah. Verse 16. And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, to be king over Israel. And you will anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Maola to be prophet in your stead. What's wrong with this picture? There's something wrong with the picture. Do you know what that is? The young man is the one who anointed Jehu, the son of Nimshi. And Elisha sent him to do so. But God told Elijah to do it. But Elijah was taken to heaven and did not do it. 
but his spiritual descendant did it. Because why? We see Elijah, then we see Elisha who has the spirit and the power of Elijah. And we see Elisha commissioning his his spiritual disciple. So the spiritual disciple is finishing the work of Elijah. God wants you to know that there are a lot of missions that were incompleted because either time ran out or you and I must understand that there was a replacement necessary. The real reality of this matter is is that this young prophet is a replacement to the first servant that Elisha had. His first servant's name was Gehazi. But Gehazi undermined Elisha and said, I will take somewhat of him. And so wanting to take from the man of God disqualified him from ministry and he was thrust out as a leper. I hope somebody understands what I'm saying. So now we have this young man, this young man without a name who does not want to be seen of men. This young man who's filled with the anointing. He's given a commission and he's taken a box of oil. Every time you've been given a commission, you are sent with the anointing and there is no limit of how God's going to use you. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. He's a young prophet because the Holy Ghost would rather have a yielded person who doesn't have a lot of experience than someone who's all stuck in their old ways and their old method and will not listen to what the spirit of God wants them to do. Are you hearing this saints? Do you understand the deep things of God tonight? Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast. 